I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. This week's episode, I am sharing a podcast interview where I was interviewed on the Pleasure Principles with Dr. Jordan Wiggins. The Pleasure Principles podcast is where sex, science, and sensuality meet. Host Dr. Jordan Wiggins, a naturopathic doctor, entrepreneur, women's sexual health disruptor, and author of The Pink Canary, is on a mission to revolutionize the way we deliver, educate, and talk about sexual health, wellness, and pleasure for women. So hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, superwomen. Today, I want to welcome McKinney Smith. She is a mindset coach, author, podcast host, and just all around badass that I met on a, it was, it was a anti-hustle. Anti-hustle manifesto. Yep. Yes, with Eleanor <laughs> Beaton, which was just such an amazing conversation. So welcome. And even more, that's how we met. And then I went on your podcast and sort of, you just said, how are you doing? And I said a sentence or two, like I basically trauma dumped on you. I never even met you. (laughs) And you're like, I get it. And I thought that no one in the world would understand. That's how isolated, alone and ashamed I felt. So I'm super excited to have this conversation because I think it's going to impact a lot of our listeners. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you, what you do for work, just so we have like, you know, the cool yes, notes. Absolutely. A little bit about me. Um, where do I start? Uh, mother of three. <laughs> I've been a full-time entrepreneur since 2009. My mentor who passed away just over a year and a half ago, Bob Proctor, basically helped me shift my entire paradigm, my entire belief about what is possible and what we can attain in this world. And I am also a five-time author. Uh, I write personal development books. And I also have a podcast called The Heal Her Podcast, which uh, ranks globally in the top 1.5% of most popular shows out there. 
And it was amazing. We're going to link it in the show notes. Yeah. Which I didn't even realize. And I'm, my coach is American and I have several American friends and they laugh at us Canadians because I actually was a guest on another podcast and she's like, you're, you rank in the top 2.5% globally. And I was like, oh, I do. And she's like, yeah, I wouldn't have had you as a guest if you didn't. So like they like, so yeah, it's it's like we quietly are these big deals sort of, but I didn't even know that was a thing. So anyways, her podcast is amazing. Have to check it out. So toxic relationships has been a big, big topic for me and my audience lately, which are a lot of high functioning, people pleasing women. Mm-hmm. get ourselves in these situations that's like ooh how did this happen how did i get here any thoughts comments cuz everything you've said to me on this topic resonates it's just like how does she know it's exactly the truth on how high achieving women might be susceptible to being in a toxic relationship well Okay, so where do we even start? I think that a lot of high-achieving, successful women are actually that way because of their own trauma responses. And that's my personal opinion. <laughs> I I agree. It's true for me. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of us, because of our childhood wounds and, and childhood traumas, we strive for success, accolades, greatness. We um, strive to like help other people to make an impact to make a difference because we don't want other people to feel how we felt. You know, we want to, we want to help. We want to nurture. We want to do all these things. And a lot of the women that I know that are super, super, super successful have had stories of toxic relationships and people are like, Oh, well, you know, you're super successful in all these areas of your life. And then in this area, you suck. (laughs) It's me and it's my clients, a lot of them. It's like, we check all the boxes, you know, we're, you know, great moms and in social things, we contribute in this way and we're giving back in the world here and, you know, we're building a business here. We're checking all those boxes. And I feel like that makes us a target because when we are checking all these boxes and we're single, then you have these people who will approach us because they see that. They're like, oh, I know what's missing. I am going to pretend to be that missing piece. And then they come in and they don't show up as toxic. You know, they come in and pretend to be who they think we want them to be. But at the end of the day, that mask can only stay on for so long. And then when you start to build a relationship with this person and you let your walls down and you start to trust them and then all hell breaks loose. (laughs) That was literally what came to my mind is all hell breaks loose. And I think, do you think that there is shame, especially with high achieving, high functioning women that we get in this situation and the relationship doesn't meet our, our needs. It is not what we thought it was in the beginning. We might have a child or there might be financial entanglement and we can talk about all this stuff but is there like it almost seems like there's this shame and then this oh my goodness how am I going to make this work how am I going to overfunction and pretzel myself is that at all accurate in your 
Yes, myself included, and many of the women that I've spoken to since I've shared my story publicly, there are many women that are extremely successful that have been in these toxic relationships with psychological abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse, you name it. And they, some of them say they will never speak publicly about it because of the shame. They are embarrassed that they are quote unquote, this successful, but then got caught up in such a thing or that, you know, they're viewed in a certain light and then it's going to discredit their character or their, their whatever people are going to lose trust in them because they fell for something. It's always, it's, very often you hear like, you know, how did I fall for that? I can't believe I fell for that. I can't believe. So there's a lot of uh, self-blame. There's a lot of. And this, I should have known better. I should have seen the red flags. And it's like, no, 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 no. These people do not present the red flags in the beginning or if, you know, and I think there's this biological when you first meet somebody and the dopamine and the norepinephrine, like there's that new relationship energy that is biological, which would make anyone overlook red flags. Yeah. But that these manipulative people or toxic people are intentionally being deceptive. Yeah. Like, so I think for, again, myself included, and a lot of the other women that I've spoken to, you get into these relationships and they present a certain way and it's almost like because they are so good at manipulating, you believe everything that you've been told. There's manipulation left, right, and center. And on top of the manipulation, they usually want things to present a certain way. The the, the friends that they choose to introduce you to, the family that they choose to introduce you to, to create and build on that perception Because if they were to introduce you to people who know the real them, it wouldn't be that same false persona. So oftentimes if we are, you know, when we get into those situations and then we're holding ourselves to blame (laughs) for accepting or tolerating or even uh, believing any of these things, like that's unfair to us. We were lied to. So I wish a lot of people, instead of playing the victim or being ashamed, would uh, it's the same way if, you know, you were, I don't know, I, I don't, can't think of like a particular example, but it's like, if someone else robs you, you know, it, you're not going to say like, how did I let that happen to me? That person came and took what they wanted. Yes. Intentionally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it's not your fault. So I really wish that people would be kinder to themselves. And I think there's a, like the, we victim blame sort of as a society and a culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen it left, right and center. I've seen it under posts of other celebrities and influencers. I have heard it about myself. It's almost like people will say, well, if it was a toxic relationship, then you're both, you know, well, obviously every Every scenario is co-created. Every situation is co-created. But if you've been lied and manipulated to, then your actions within it <laughs> yes. pretense. Okay. And this is the, this is what I'm trying to like unpack for myself personally, for my clients. And because I think two well-intentioned people can be in a toxic relationship where just 
their nervous system reactivity, the way that they've been taught, the way that they shut down or the way that they pursue just, they could be very well-intentioned and it could still be toxic. It could, you could still be caught in a trauma loop, even though there's two very well-intentioned people, they're probably codependent. They probably have trauma in their past, et cetera. Yeah. But they want to do better. They want to make things worse. They truly care about the emotional experience of the other person. They have remorse. (laughs) But the difference is when people aren't well-intentioned, when they like truly try to manipulate. And I was told, and when you go to school, like we talked about people with personality disorders and how it was so rare. Yeah. But it's not rare. <laughs> it's not no, not I rare. and I think it's that these people are so hard to diagnose and um the court systems have not caught up and like family court and like financial abuse laws. So let's talk about that because yeah. this was and again this is another area I think of shame and I think financial abuse especially because a lot of our listeners are successful women were susceptible or it's even happened and we don't even know. So mm-hmm. can you talk about that? Because you introduced me to financial abuse and I was like, oh, this has happened to me more than once in more than one relationship. <laughs> yes. I mean, okay. So the different levels, I mean, there's a documentary called The Tender Swindler and that documentary is what helped me realize the financial abuse and the different levels of things. Cause I was like, Oh, that feels familiar. Oh, I can relate to that. Um, so there's different types of financial ab- abuse, but it's like, they're, they're basically using that to assert power or control over somebody else. There's different types in a sense where a financial abuser, you know, you could be in a relationship with someone and, and that person refuses to work. They refuse to have any source of income so that you become the main source uh, of providing income. There are, you know, there's situations where um, it could be where I've had this experience with the opposite of bank accounts and things like that. Like they use that as power in a sense where they control everything. I I had an, an ex that basically wanted me home barefoot and pregnant. And when they met me, I was doing stuff with my life. So it was, you know, they make all the money. They have the bank account. They control everything. I can't go anywhere because I don't have any of my own money. And if I wanted, it was, I'd have to ask. And then there's the other situation that I experienced a couple of years ago where they came in after I built the brand, built the business. They pretended to be in a good financial situation and then moved into my home. And all of a sudden they have no income. They can't pay anything. Um, I'm paying for everything. They're making excuses as to constantly trying to start different businesses. Nothing's ever taking off until they leave with my credit cards ran up and my bank account empty. And then I start getting messages from all their exes that this is a pattern and it's not small amounts of money. It's large sums of money. So I know very successful women that have been financially abused in a sense where they have multiple children with a person that refuses to work, has never worked. They pay for this person's car. This person, you know, uses their rental properties to go 
mess with other people, like Mm. totally taking full financial advantage and using that to control. And then when you go to leave, then you realize that you have to pay support to this person who's (laughs) been doing you dirty in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, Like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, it's like the courts have not caught up to a lot of this and sometimes don't even recognize it. Um, I had a client who is in Australia, married, had, I think, two or three kids with her husband. And he was using like spiritual abuse to start with to control her. Um, You know, a Christian woman does this, Christian woman does that. And then while she was trying to go through the divorce and she was showing like all of the evidence of narcissistic abuse, the courts didn't recognize that. And then we started looking into stuff here to realize they don't care. It's it's just like they don't care. And how broken is that system? Like, okay, bruises on your body. Okay, we care. But emotional abuse to a partner or to children, right? Because we know that these types of people also do damage to their children. But yeah, the courts are like, meh. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of our systems are created by men for men. So... We talk a lot about patriarchal culture and how it is designed to prop up men and have them succeed. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our clients, and, and it's funny because it's almost like you are willing at the beginning, like we're taught you can do it all and you don't need a man. So I have a lot of clients that are successful that they've like retired their spouses. And I've even heard not as much anymore, but that's like a goal or thing that things that women in my masterminds and stuff would brag about like, oh, I retired my husband, Mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. And again, that is there a willing, so you retire somebody or they don't work and you're the primary breadwinner because maybe it was a decision that you made, right? Like I have this big career, he's going to stay at home, but then there, they, there comes a point or there's an event and it's usually with like their health or their intimate relationship when women come to me, but there's an event when they can't do it anymore or when mm-hmm. there's like their health gives out or when when they need their partner to step yes. back up cuz and that's and sometimes i think we're not even necessarily you know we're not talking like a full on manipulative abuse situation but we're talking about like a toxic relationship situation where like they don't they the men won't even step up when their partners are sick or they won't even like get a that's exactly what happened to me that's exactly what happened to me um I had some severe health issues um in my family like cancer and uh fibroids and all those things are very common and um my sister had passed away at 39 she had like issues with fibroids and um some things happened so when I was 39 um, I was having like severe hemorrhaging. They, um, I had like, they had to remove cancer cells in my cervix. Then they told me that they had to remove my uh, uterus. And the person that I was with, who total like narcissistic personality disorder, did not realize. So the moment that I got sick was just after the first year of being together. 
I required lots of doctor's visits and I had to have um, a hysterectomy. So major surgery, major organ removed. And the plan was, okay, well, I've been providing financially for us. I'm going to be down for who knows how long right now. You need to get a job. Like all of these businesses you're trying to start, they're not making any income. You need to actually go get a job. There was always an excuse as to why they couldn't or why it wasn't working out. But the day that the day that I had the surgery, I remember there was an incident that happened. And then it was almost like mentally, I shut down after the surgery. It's not even that I was in that much pain physically, it was mentally. And the next day I'm in bed and they basically came to me with like a notepad of things that I could do from bed to continue working so that they didn't have to basically how they could financially gain from my network, from my following, from my work that I have already put in. They had no intention of working and my recovery was supposed to be six weeks long. And after six months, when things got worse, when they thought like I had, they thought I had colon cancer, they had all kinds of stuff. So I required a lot more time off and couldn't function. Still, this person had no desire to work until we were living off my savings until it was done. And it was like the Wednesday I made a comment about them being a dependent. And by the weekend, they were gone. Like, moved out of my house, ghosted me, you name it. Money's done, they're done. I I found it shocking when I listened to that part of your story in your podcast. I messaged you and I remember I was in Toronto, like on my way to Toronto to get my hair done. And I, I wanted to puke then, like you're in bed, you had a hysterectomy, you had been supporting. And then now, right, it's a relationship, it's a team. You want your partner to step up and help and pitch in. And then they're going to sit there and blame you and tell you what you can do from bed. Like, and I still want to puke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. I, 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 I almost have no words. I have to laugh about it now because it just seems unreal. And if I hadn't done as much work as I have since then, I wouldn't even be able to to talk about my story. Like, like you said, there's, there's shame behind it. There's like, almost like shock. Like, did this really happen? I cannot believe this was my life. <laughs> so I can laugh about it now because it's like, I am in such a different place. But yeah, there are people out there like that. And I wasn't, and I've sort of been on both ends of the financial situation. One where I was a primary breadwinner and no ambition to do more, gambled and took out a second mortgage on our house to try and pay off the debt without me knowing like, again, that happened. That is financial abuse. I didn't mm -hmm. know this at the time. And the other end of the spectrum where it's like, I'm a primary breadwinner. Don't worry about it. Work part time. You know, I'll support you. And then the mask fell off and <laughs> like, you know, that was on a Tuesday and the Sunday they were out. So it's very fascinating the the lengths that these manipulative people would go to. And my first relationship that I was referring to, I would say that that would be like more on the toxic 
side that mm-hmm. it wasn't like there was abandonment wounds there and I don't think he wanted to lose me and also didn't want to get help and that so but again like it's abuse it's not yeah. okay and it's it's almost shameful and embarrassing to talk about absolutely and i've been i've been shamed for sharing parts of my story on many different platforms but i i shared my story on the Dear Future Wifey podcast and it's like globally in like the top, I don't know, 0.02%. It's a very popular podcast. And because a lot of their audience is faith-based Christian, it was like, you guys weren't married. You know, you shouldn't have one been living together or, you know, I would never give someone my money. Da, 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 da. And it was like, if they took a second to actually hear my story, it's not like I was handing this person money for no reason saying, here, take this or, or, you know, take that. So people's perception of hearing parts of your story, they'll shame you for without knowing all the details. There are people who were mutual friends of both of ours that no longer speak to me because I've been sharing my story. And obviously with someone who was a manipulator or someone who was trying to protect their own lies, False persona. Uh, exactly. False persona. That person is, you know, twisting the narrative. And of course, they were only trying to help me and they're my the children. victim. They're exactly. always the victim. They're the victim. The victim exactly. and the hero at the same time. How is at that a the thing? same time? At the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm still mind blown by that. Yeah, exactly. So it it is challenging, but at the end of the day, like I cannot deny my truth. No one else, like it happened. It's not a story that I made up. It happened. My kids who live in my house, three grown children, witnesses, it happened. Even my ex-husband was in shock with, like, he was like, what do you mean? What? Like, and he's another head case. Like, (laughs) it happened. (laughs) It's like, and I'm, I'm currently dealing with legal things. So I'm waiting for those to be done to fully share my story um, and what has happened to me, but even alluding to the fact that I would share and I would speak up because I feel like we need to talk about these things. And if we get it out in the open and we air it out, then there is less shame and like things fester in the dark, right? The shame and like, it keeps women stuck in this cycle. It keeps the legal system from not protecting people. Like we, we need to have these conversations. Absolutely. And I had, um, she's another doctor, well-respected, been through um, a divorce or two herself. And she said, oh, but like, you won't share, like, you won't talk about that publicly. Like you wouldn't do that to him. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> what about he what he did to me yeah yeah, yeah there and it's are like- a lot of people that protect the abusers and i'm not I, I don't know what their own reasoning is but it is very common and sometimes the people who are close to the abuser they call them their flying monkeys it's from like uh what, what is it uh um, wizard of oz there we go wizard of oz but they, they basically believe everything that the abuser says. They are their cheerleaders. They are, you know, trashing you for the abuser as well. Unfortunately, those people do exist. But to anyone who has experienced this, at the end of the day, 
you don't know, owe anyone an explanation. Let them talk, let them say whatever they need to say. Honestly, the best revenge in all of it is being successful at what you're doing. Them seeing you thrive pisses them the hell off because they thought they broke you. That was their objective. And them not having the power and control to stop you from thriving and stop you from being successful. Oh, you're you're doing plenty of damage without saying a word. <laughs> yeah, I was just and I even notice I've recently become a Kardashian watcher in the last like three weeks I started watching the new series and they're even talking a lot about like I'll never say anything bad in front of the kids and like all this stuff and I understand that children are innocent and need to be protected and insulated and things as much as possible but (laughs) I feel like there is even an element of victim blaming in that or hiding in that. Like if you're pretending like dad isn't abusing me and I'm going to protect you from the media and only let you watch Apple TV and only do all of these things. Mm -hmm. Like, are you really protecting kids? Exactly. And I agree with you where like, yes, kids are kids and you don't bring them into adult arguments. So I don't believe in saying things like, um, you know, your dad is a, but instead, this type of behavior is toxic. These things are abuse so that they can see for themselves what is right and what is wrong. Because now my kids are old enough to be like, oh, (laughs) yeah, that dude was toxic. Yes. Yeah. And age, right? Like there's, there's nuances and, but I just, I think totally hiding the situation and pretending like everything's fine or making the best of it when your needs aren't being met. Like we're just perpetuating the toxic dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I think awareness is key because a lot of us who have experienced these things, we either didn't hear anyone talk about it before, or we didn't know about it because we didn't know about it. (laughs) So us having these conversations, us, you know, putting content out there to bring awareness is the best thing that we can possibly do. Because when I was on my healing journey from my experience, about a six months to a year after it happened is when I started talking about it publicly, because I wasn't, I didn't want to speak from an unhealed place, because I probably could have said a lot of things that didn't need to be said. But I went through, I guess, a phase where I was talking about it very often. I was talking about it very often on my Instagram, on Facebook, on the podcast, you name it. But the point of it was to bring awareness. And I do not regret helping the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that that I was able to reach just through sharing that. I've had so many women that came into my DMs that needed support, direction to how to safely exit the toxic relationship, where they needed support on knowing where shelters and facilities are in their area, where they needed support for their kids. Like, I will never regret sharing my story because of the people that need help. And I needed it and didn't have that information or support. Yeah. And if we're shamed into silence, then we stay stuck or 
get ill or yeah, the outcomes are not good. But when we talk about it and women can see the similarities in their stories, it's like the private plane thing. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. That was a love bomb for me at the beginning too. And it's like, how is this a, how are they the same? Yeah. <laughs> they're different, but they're, they're the same. They're, they're different. They come in different, different forms. It's the same thing in a different package, but they come in different forms. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. So this is, I'm asking for me, but also, cause I know a lot of the listeners probably want to write a book. I've written one looking at doing another. You've done five? Yes. <laughs> and I also help other women to publish as well. And what, like, if women are sitting on a story or want to write a book, do you have advice for them, tips? Yes, absolutely. I mean, so all five of my books are personal development tools. Um, the first one was me sharing my story. Uh, I'm going to say pre the huge narcissistic abuse experience, but also it does speak to uh, a couple of my past toxic relationships, how I worked through that. But they're all really tools to help other people, you know, walk in their greatness. But I've I've had a couple of clients that have written books specific to their abuse experiences, specific to narcissistic abuse. So anyone who wants to write a book, it's like, think about what you want the reader to take away from what you're writing. Like, don't write it from, you know, just like vomiting all of your story out there. But what what lessons do you want to leave with other people? What tools do you want to offer? Um, putting that together and then breaking it down into like the different segments that you want to talk about or different um, chapters or how you want to outline those things and then work from there. And then we publish it, basically giving women access to the same tools and resources as traditional publishers. You know, there's a lot of women out there that have a story. We all have a story at the end of the day, but there's a lot of women that, that have a story that want to publish a story that have no idea how, or they don't want to go through just the Amazon route. They want to be able to have their books sold globally in, you know, big box stores, like my books available in like Walmart and Target and all that great stuff. So I help other women do the same. I need you to publish my second book. I'm here, girl. I got you. <laughs> it's it's good. I have a title too. And every time I tell people the title, I'll text you after. They're like, oh, that's good. I'm like, I know this is going to be like <laughs> even bigger than the first one. So <laughs> Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I, I'm still, cause it is fresh and we talked like the healing journey. I'm massive on sharing from like the scar, not the open wound. So I feel still feel like I have healing and awareness and some parts of the story are not complete yet. So I get it. it. It's happening, but I need to be a little more healed. Okay, so we I always end these episodes with a couple questions. What do you do for pleasure, joy? What makes you feel good? I am probably one of the most simple people that someone may encounter. Like people look at my life online and think that I like like to go out and do all these extravagant things. I enjoy being with my loved ones in nature. I enjoy conservation areas. I enjoy nature walks. I enjoy trips to like waterfalls and that I don't know why, but that just makes me feel so healing. Yeah. Grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I even tell clients like 
go outside and put your feet on the earth for five minutes in between calls or your work day because just like little bits, even if we can't make it out to the waterfall, which sounds amazing. And actually, I'm going to add that. I'm going to take my daughter. I'm going to add that to our to-do list. That's why I like talking about these things because it gives other, like, yeah. we have a couple around where I live. Why have I not, I haven't been in Go a couple and of years. Explore. There's like, what I did um, just about a year, year and a half ago, even uh, I took a week for my birthday and every day explored a different trail that led to some kind of falls. So I went out to like Ancaster and Hamilton and Niagara and did all those trails out there that led to different waterfalls and just the grounding, the reconnecting, the calming down my nervous system, just being in the beauty of nature. It was just fabulous. So yeah. So therapeutic. And another thing that we talk a lot about because it doesn't feel, I feel like we, we tend to shrink our greatness or try not to shine too bright. So we, I talk about bragging or like something you're really, really proud of. Mm-hmm. So could you share a brag with our audience to wrap up? Uh, a recent brag? Or I... a, you can share several. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I had decided last year that I wanted to move away from doing one-on-one coaching and wanted to get more into um, being paid corporately to do stuff because I've been self-employed. I'm like, yeah, I just want money to flow to and through me. And I put that out into the universe and I was so focused and open about it. And then in January, I had a corporation book a discovery call through my website. And when they started negotiating things with me, I thought, okay, is this really ever going to happen? But it did. And I basically charged them almost six figures for six sessions. And it feels great. <laughs> Ooh, I love it. And you, super women, she had a desire and she let like put it out there, wasn't attached to the outcome and knew her worth. So you yes. were willing to receive it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's huge. And I feel like we cut ourselves off, right? From so much potential so much of what is possible by like even limiting what we desire yeah absolutely a lot of us do that unintentionally just by you know whether it be our past or our childhood or you know any of those things but I think part of my healing process has been opening myself up to possibilities and things that I never had access to or never believed were possible for myself so so true. So tell our listeners, where can they get in touch with you? What's the best place? So I love to hang around on Instagram. I've been kind of um, less on there the last few months because I'm going to be a grandmother. <laughs> um, but uh, my main Instagram page is The Real McKinney Smith. They can visit the website, Walk in My Stilettos, if they're looking for any uh, mindset coaching. And if they're looking for book publishing, it's legacyleavers.ca. And I'm on all the other platforms. I just don't spend as much time on there as I would like to. You know, I'm trying to honor my body and listen to my body. And, you know, we talked on the anti-hustle manifesto. You know, you can have all these social media platforms and spend all your time and energy there. But I want to actually, like, experience life and make memories and 
have these different experiences. So I've been spending less time on social and more time living and enjoying life. I love it. That's an, a desire and a boundary mm-hmm. and oh, that it, it feels good to hear that <laughs> that is what you're doing. Yeah. Cause we could just want to, Oh, like, Oh, I could be doing more of this or more of that. And it's, it's never ending, but it's never ending or <laughs> prioritizing pleasure and what you desire the family time. That's Absolutely. beautiful. So thank you. Thank you for being so open and honest. And we will put all of those links in the show notes. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thanks, Makini. To all of you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. And don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We would love to hear your feedback. We would love to hear if you've experienced any of these things. We would just love to hear from you. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. I'm going to challenge you to share this episode with at least three women that you know that will receive value from today's show. Feel free to screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at the real McKinney Smith. You can tag uh, Dr. Jordan Wiggins at Pleasure Principles. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.